Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 2nd of August 2012. For newcomers, I always suggest you make good use of the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. There's over a thousand audios for download, all for free. And I, I tie in the big system uh, that, that runs the world, including uh, really when they came out into the open, started publishing books over 100 years ago with their agenda laid out there. The time of science. Science was coming in to be the master of the world, and they claimed that, that uh, they would make sure that science would run an ordered society, plus they, of course, would take over all of the resources of the planets and eventually uh, reduce the population, because they knew even back then there would be a post-industrial era, and they said there would be too many superfluous people around the world, especially in the first world countries. They'd have to deal with that, and they did have world meetings to find out how to bring down the populations, and nothing was left off of the table. So help yourself to those, and also there's transcripts you can get from the same websites that are listed. It's cuttingthroughmedia.com, there's a whole bunch of them there. Uh, these are official websites. Uh, if you find sticking on one, try another website that's listed there, because so many people go into the, the com site at the same time, you might find that. But they all carry transcripts as well in English, and if you want transcripts in other languages, go into alanwatchsentinel.eu and help yourself from the variety offered there. Remember, too, you are the audience that bring me to you. I don't bring on advertisers as guests, however entertaining they may be, and uh, and sell things to you at the end. Uh, I basically rely upon the books and discs at cuttingthroughthemedias.com and the sales. So if you want to buy them, and you've got to understand, if you don't buy the, the past, the history, you won't understand the present, because all the cons have been mentioned in the past, and the cons are always used over and over and over again, all doing through generation to generation, same cons. So buy the books and discs at cuttingthroughthemedias.com, and you'll give yourself an education. And uh, from the U.S. to Canada, you can use personal checks, remember, and you can also use international postal money orders from the post office. You can send cash or you can use PayPal to order. And straight donations are really, really well received by me, believe you me, in these times of austerity, as I like to call poverty and inflation. And across the world, Western Union, you can use and MoneyGram and PayPal once again. But we are going through the, the century of change. The century of change, the 21st century, was to be the one that caps all of their plans. Plans that were making for an awful long time, much longer than 100 years, because they did come out occasionally down through the centuries and publish various ideas of this ordered world society that they themselves, being the richest people on the planet at the time, and having the running the whole world's money supply, uh, they themselves obviously were more evolved than anybody else, and that's the conclusion they really came to. 
And they, they really did talk about the inferior types and the different classes beneath them, what they'd have to do with them. But at the same time, remember, they're good shepherds and we are the sheep, you see. Shepherds have sheep in order to make money off of them uh, because the big boys at the top need us to an extent to make money from. However, they do plan this scientific future. Uh, massive cost for everything, a uh, reduced population so they won't lose cash that way, and energy, etc. All, all of these things will take your money away in taxes and fees, all the ex- expensive, the, the, the extra money you have for spending. And that's what they mean by austerity. And you're going into it to be a worldwide program, and believe you me, they mean business. In the meantime, they're having wars across the world to finish off the last countries of opposition that don't have the central banking system, don't use usury, and have a different system altogether. That's what they're doing, standardizing the world and, of course, plundering the resources of those countries while they're at it. Uh, Under various guises of helping people and saving lives, they slaughter more than anybody else. Because, you see, these boys have been behind world wars. They planned them in the past to get the changes through. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix. And talking about the big system we live in, because it's all illusion really, uh, we go through these farces for well, 20, over 20 years now of wars in the Middle East. And it's the same con job with every war that they go into. There's, oh, the guy's killing his own people, etc., etc. And, uh, and that's, they keep it very simple because if it worked before, it will always work again, you see. So they keep it very, very simple. And then in the Orwellian fashion that I mentioned last night, uh, the, the enemies, the Al-Qaeda guys, supposedly, there wasn't such a thing as Al-Qaeda, but they've created it now, and the Muslim Brotherhood, um, we're all the enemies, of course, of the U.S. for the first war they went into with Iraq and, and Afghanistan. And now they're pals. They're all pals now. And they've, they've got, they're paying, they're getting paying these guys plus a lot of mercenaries to come into Syria and overthrow the government there. So uh, we go through this farce. So I hate even talking about these articles because they're such farcical authorized articles, you know. I mean, this, this says here, Obama signs order to support the Syrian rebels. They already had out in, in, the, in the Israeli papers two or three days beforehand. But uh, this, the BBC eventually ceases to okay with their government to print it, so they print it now. And as I say, the Syrian rebels are the so-called Al-Qaeda, uh, Muslim Brotherhood, uh, the enemies of the U.S., that the U.S. is now paying to get in there, and the U.S. is actually financially supporting them. So you're in Orwell lands. Nothing is really real except there are big games always on the go, and you're never going to get the truth about any of it at all, of course, except they want to standardize the world and take over that whole area, the whole region, in fact, of all the ex-Muslim countries. They want to put in secular governments as well afterwards. I've already talked about that. So anyway, and that's from the Council on Foreign Relations. If you go into their, their website, they'll tell you that they want to put secular governments in. Anyway... Obama signs the order to support the Syrian rebels, it says. And it says that uh, he signed a covert covert order. How could it be covert when we're all reading it here? Authorizing support for Syrian rebels 
approved earlier this year the directive permits the CIA and other U.S. agencies to provide assistance to help oust Syrian President Bashar al-Assad. The use appears to be stopping short of directly arming the Free Syrian Army. Now that's a, a misleading again because even Hass himself a few months ago mentioned the fact that it kind of, was a kind of semi-ceasefire over there and while they did negotiations but actually admitted it was to allow the rebels to get more arms shipped in. So the U.S. is definitely shipping arms in, and so is Israel doing it too. So as the Obama administration has said publicly, it's offering support to the rebels, including $25 million, uh, which is £16 million, of non-lethal assistance. Now they can go play games with non-lethal as long as they want to. The State Department aids mostly funds the supply of communications equipment such as encrypted radios, yeah, right, and it'll be, of course, um, missile tracking systems as well. But it's not clear what type of support is authorized by the secret order known as Intelligence Finding, which was reported by Reuters News Agency. U.S. Senate panel Wednesday heard foreign policy experts urge the Obama administration to consider arming Syrian rebels. This is all for show for the public because really, as I say, they've been arming them from the beginning. In fact, they had the whole list in the 90s made up of the countries they wanted to take out. That was a project for New American Century. And they had, they had Syria on the map as well. So did uh, Israel at the same time. Go back into the papers there and find it. You'll see them there. Some you, but they see they know that public don't have much of a memory, and and they don't really because they're mind bombed by television. They live in a surrealistic a surrealistic world where nothing really is is real, and um, the comedians are more real to them than these people far away over in the Middle East. It's all bizarre, kaleidoscopic in their heads. This is some U.S. lawmakers, such as Republican Senator John McCain, have criticized Obama, arguing the U.S. should become directly involved in arming Mr. Assad's opponents. Well, they already are doing that, so this is just fluff for the public. Reuters reports that the U.S. is collaborating with a second command center operating near the Syrian border, set up by Turkey and its allies. And the U.S. Department of the Treasury approved a license last week allowing the Washington Syrian Support Group, a non-profit organization, yeah, right, funded by the big foundations and, and the American government, to provide direct financial assistance. Obama previously signed a document to authorize covert assistance to rebels fighting against former Libyan leader Muammar Gaddafi. And... Um, the U.S. understand has broken every law there is, even at the United Nations, because you're not supposed to interfere with uh, governments trying to hold on to their own system uh, with internal squabbles. But they broke it all anyway. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. These guys with the Council on Foreign Relations behind them, as I say, Carl Quigley being the historian for them, he said that uh, they've been behind every major war for a whole hundred years and more. Read his books. And... You, you, you can't even believe what you see now, especially you can't believe what you see. It's bad enough figuring out all the lies from propaganda merchants, special marketers really employed by the governments. They have their whole departments of them. But it says Austria's largest paper newspaper uh, used uh, Photoshop uh, to muck up a, a, an article on Syria. They showed uh, blitz buildings behind them. And this is a major newspaper. It says, photographs of Syria these days are filled with grim sights of pain and suffering. One Austrian newspaper apparently decided that the photos weren't grim enough. 
The Kronen Zitong, Austria's largest newspaper boasting three million readers, published a photo this past weekend showing a couple stepping through the rubble of a destroyed building complex with their child wrapped in a blanket. It's very similar to Wag the Dog movie. Well, you've got to watch that one because it shows you everything that's done in there. It's a powerful image, but it's completely fabricated. They show you the original photo at the bottom, and this link I'll put up tonight at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. You'll see the two photographs, the, the, the Photoshop one and the original one. But this happens all the time to get everybody's angst up, you see. It doesn't take much, eh? To, to get the people emotional. They don't have to be educated in what's going on. It's to get emotional over it, and that's what you do with the people to get them all on your side. Oregon man is sentenced to 30 days in jail because this had to come. You understand, eventually, there's to be one uh, corporation which will rule, on behalf of the United Nations, of course, um, all the water supplies of the world. And right now there's quite a few of them. I can remember when they did it in Britain, there was a bunch of members of parliament put the bill forward for privatizing the water supply. Now, that belonged to the public, not to the government, but the public never think about these things. They're so beaten down and, and get, they're so used to authoritarianism, really. But the, the public owned the water supply, and their taxpayers, come back to great-great-grandpa, had built up the water systems there. And then the government gives it away to their pals for nothing. But the MPs who voted it forward in Britain for the first time quite a few years back uh, just happened to leave Parliament immediately once it passed, and they just happened to be the heads on the board of the corporation they just started up. Uh, everything is so predictable and corrupt today. And we put up with it. Uh, because I think at the bottom we're so jaded, uh, we're, we're corrupted ourselves. M- most people at the folk are corrupted by the culture industry. That's why they put up with corruption at the top. So much of it. You're personally corrupt. Now, because we ha- everything's basically moral relativity. There's no right or wrong. And people at the bottom say, well, if I was up there, I'd be doing the same thing. I've heard lots of folks say that. So we put up with it. And of course, sociologists know this perfectly well. That is exactly why you put up with so much corruption. You're, you're, you're being, your whole culture has been destroyed. Personal morality has gone down the tubes uh, with, with, with uh, as I say, um, the alterations of right and wrong, saying there's no such thing as right and wrong. And we accept big crooks at the top. So that can only get worse. But anyway, it's a, a rural Oregon man was sentenced Wednesday to 30 days in jail and over $1,500 in fines because he had three reservoirs in his property to collect and use rainwater. Gary Harrington of Eagle Point, Oregon, said he plans to appeal his conviction in Jackson County Circuit Court on nine uh, misdemeanor charges under a 1925 law for having what state water managers called three illegal reservoirs on his property and for filling the reservoirs with rainwater and snow runoff. The government is bullying, Harrington told CNSNews.com in an interview Thursday. They've just gotten to be big bullies, and if you just lay over and die and give up, that just makes them bigger bullies, and that is a fact to life, isn't it? So we as Americans, we need to stand on our constitutional rights and our rights as citizens and hang tough. Well, you could hang tough if enough people would stand alongside you, and whole townships should do that. I mean, that's how you get the message across. He says, this is a good country, will prevail, he says. Well, I hope he does, but you've got to understand the United Nations, as I say, has already had so many treaties signed by every country to do with water rights and water supplies and everything else. And uh, he, he'll, he very he very possibly might lose, actually. I think another one in another state already lost, and it was he was collecting water from his rooftop, believe it or not. But... Um, 
And that's how it goes. As I say too, the big boys, when you understand the system they created well over a hundred years ago, they, they started off with uh, the group. They were Darwinian. Uh, they were the big banking groups, by the way. They recruited at Oxford. They even sent their own sons to Oxford University primarily. And they became uh, the Milner Society, the Alfred Milner Society, that teamed up with the Cecil Rhodes and Lord Rothschild Society to form the Royal Institute of International Affairs, a private, non-profit-making organizations, you understand, who don't play politics. They tell you they don't play politics in all their books that they write, including the CFR's books. And the CFRs are an American branch. They're branches across the whole world. And they're telling the truth. They don't play politics because all they do is implement an agenda, you understand. So they don't play politics. They put the politicians in to get the agenda through, but they themselves don't play politics. They don't have that nonsense of politics. They make the agenda, and it's up to the politicians to convince the public that they must go along with it. So it says the Department of Defense and U.S. agencies help Afghanistan exploit mineral wealth. Now, they said that 100 years ago uh, with Rothschild and Milner that they would take over all of the resources of the planet, starting with all the mineral resources. They meant gold, of course. Then they went after the diamonds in, in Africa as well. And then eventually food, everything would, would come under their control for this ordered society. So this is, article is just out, and yet... Uh, I can remember seeing a, a similar one about eight months ago from the Canadian Defence Department because top generals there said there were guys that they had in Afghanistan and they'd found massive uh, mineral deposits there. Back with more after this break. We're back, cutting through the matrix and talking about how everything, all the news really is old stuff that they just give us and recycle as brand new. And they knew how much, of course, uh, minerals were in Afghanistan. They've been exploiting it all along. In fact, there was articles out months ago where they brought in the Chinese and the U.S. government was, or army was basically protecting Chinese workers going in and out, taking copper and things out of there too as a loot the country. It's all deals that the big sharks make before they invade countries. Same as it did in Iraq too. That all that came out in the mainstream media. That before the long before the war started, all the big oil companies went to see Tony Blair to to decide what oil fields each one was going to get as they divvied up the country. So they're doing the same everywhere they go. You know, as they help people. You see, they're going to help people so they don't kill each other and all that stuff. But anyway, Afghanistan. And they're exploiting the mineral wealth there, and it says that uh, at the event, James Bullion, of the, I like his name, Bullion, eh? the Defense Department's Task Force for Business and Stability Operations, or TFBSO, that means ripping off the country, shared the podium with the USGS director, Marcy McNutt. Uh, that's a very Middle Eastern name, isn't it? Who decided a new remote, now listen to this, a new remote sensing technology that's made it possible for the first time. I guarantee this is ancient, the system. They can do it from satellite now. She said to map more than 70% of the country's surface and identify potential high-value deposits of copper, gold, iron, and other minerals. Isn't that wonderful? High-tech, eh? For the first time, she says. They knew where all this stuff was before they went in. 
from satellite. Anyway, Department of Defense officials and USGS scientists work as partners. Isn't that nice? Partners is a friendly word. In this initiative with the Afghanistan puppet governments and scientists and engineers from the Afghan Ministry of Mines and the Afghan Geological Survey, who are all puppets of the U.S. government. The task force is a defense department organization charged to help spur and grow the private sector economy in Afghanistan. And clearly the mineral and oil and gas extraction areas are critical to that effort, Bullion said. I guess his first name will be Gold, eh? Since 2009, the Department of Defense Task Force has funded work there by the USGS, including the effort to operate with help from NASA, an airborne instrument called a hyperspectral imager to map surface indicators of natural resources below Afghanistan's rugged mountainous terrain. The generals from Canada were mentioning this stuff uh, about a year ago or more. Scientists from the USGS began working in Afghanistan in 2004 when the agency was asked to help rebuild the nation's natural resource sector. You see, it was all flattened. Everything was flattened as we went in to help the people. McNuck said the geological data USGS scientists found was 50 to 75 years old, originating from the late 1960s when a Soviet mission for about 10 years helped the Afghan government with geological mapping. Uh, it says, from August to October 2007, NASA contributed its, its mid-wing long-range WB-57 aircraft to fly the USGS hyperspectral instrument over Afghanistan, mapping more than 70% of the country. In 2009, the USGS and, and Department of Defense Task Force became partners and worked closely, Bullion said, to help get the hyperspectral data into a format that mining companies could use to evaluate opportunities in the mineral sector. In other words, what to plunder and where was. Hyperspectral data uses a reflectance of light and uses the fact that different minerals reflect light in different wavelength bands, McNutt explained. Every mineral has its own significant uh, fingerprint and signature. The hyperspectral imaging categorizes minerals only on the surface of the earth, not underground where the minerals are mined. Technology wouldn't work well in countries where forest, uh, grasses and soil cover the ground, but it's perfect for Afghanistan. Over 50 million years, the slow-motion collision of Iran and Eurasian tectonic plates beneath Afghanistan formed rugged rocky mountains out of what used to be mineral-laden subsurface rock. So, in other words, they've got a gold mine there, massive, and um, they can all split it up and divvy it up to the conquerors, as, as always, under their different guises. Mind you, they probably have to have done the same over your house as well to see what you're sitting on, and at back home, that is, and they'll be grabbing that when it suits them too. They, they park stuff for a long time, you know. Just park it, and then they take it when they want it. Now, a little, uh, this is a little article off the topic here, but f- uh, fluorated uh, uh, water, of course, I've, we've done so many articles on it in the past, and there's so many studies come out, and all the big ones now from Harvard and that have come out and said the same thing. It dumbs you down, makes you stupid, and very compliant, etc. But uh, countries that, or places that say that they don't have it, you see, in their water supply, c- could be getting it through their salt. No kidding. It says, it's a wake-up call for me. I was traveling abroad last year, but I noticed that the salt was fluoridated in every label that I read. I wondered why, but soon realized that the mountainous countries I visited couldn't possibly control fresh water flow into its many cities. So sure enough, here's a way to get your dumbing down fluoride if you can't dump it into a central water works. They fluoridate the salt. Of course, just like they did at German concentration camps, it's reinforced so strictly in some countries that it's illegal to produce salt without fluoride. 
go figure, where the hell could such a centralized mandate come from? The implication is that fluoride is an absolutely essential additive. So I'll put this little article up tonight as well, and you can read through that. It's amazing, though, eh? but not really. I mean, we've got bosses who've had us in wars for hundreds of years, uh, just plundering the planet. The, the public go along with it because they're never sure what's going on, or they don't really care, most of them today. It doesn't matter. It's, it's surrealistic to them. It's always kind of far away somewhere, uh, and they prefer to watch you know, American Idol and things like that. So they've got lots of entertainment. Now, Facebook I mentioned yesterday too, or the day before, uh, because um, there's so many cons going on in Facebook to do with its advertising rates and everything else. But this is from the BBC, and it says, they picked up on the story, it says, Facebook has more than 83 million illegitimate accounts. So technically the advertising cost should go down, since so many of them are fake, the accounts that they have. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watts, and we're talking about the cons that go on in the world. The world's made up of cons. Your, your reality is all a big con, really, because most folks really believe it the way it's presented to them. But uh, this is about Facebook, and of course Facebook is in with the NSA, makes a fortune selling everybody's data off, and to, to even to the Pentagon, that has virtual U's in the Pentagon, for everybody's got a virtual U there, and they do little games on it to see how you'll react in s- situations, they say it's about 100% perfect, because they've got your whole personality profile in there. Anyway... Back to Facebook, it says, there are more than 83 million illegitimate accounts on the social network. In company filings published this week, it said that 8.7% of its 955 million active accounts broke its rules. Duplicate profiles belonging to already registered users made up 4.8% of its membership figure. User misclassified accounts amounted to 2.4%, including personal profiles for businesses or pets, while 1.5% of its users were described as undesirable. The estimates come at a time of growing concern about the effectiveness of marketing on the platform. Facebook defined duplicates as an account that a user maintains in addition to his or her principal account. It said profiles were user misclassified if users have created personal profiles for business organizations or non-human entities such as a pet. It added that undesirable accounts included those fusing fake names which were intended to be used for purposes that violate our terms of service such as spamming. And it says, Facebook, whose business models relies on targeted advertising, is coming under increased scrutiny over the worth of its advertising model, which promotes the gathering of likes from users. That actually answered them, the idiots that they are. Mm. And it says, um, so anyway, basically it's to do with its, its, its advertising costs, because it's like papers, everybody does the same thing. The more listeners that you have, even radio stations do it, then the more you can charge for your advertising rates, you see, and that's why they, they all fudge the, the, the numbers. 
But it says, um, we've not seen evidence from us of a significant problem. A spokesman told them, now its own figures show that more than 80 million of its global audience may be, in effect, worthless to advertisers, either duplicate accounts or spammers, or perhaps cats and dogs. The problem is particularly acute in developing countries like Indonesia and Turkey, where Facebook is enjoying rapid growth. A number of advertisers have been challenging Facebook to prove that the clicks that they are receiving on their ads are real. These figures will provide them with aided ammunition. We generate a substantial majority of our revenue from advertising, the company said in its filing. Well, of course we do. The loss of advertisers or reduction in spending by advertisers with Facebook could seriously harm our business. Last month, the BBC's technology correspondent Rory uh, Selling-Jones set up a fake company called Virtual Bagel to investigate allegations of fake likes. His investigation found that the large majority of likes for the fake firm originated from the Middle East and Asia. Many users appear to be false, such as Ahmed Ronaldo, apparently a Cairo-based user who's employed by Spanish football club Real Madrid, so it's obviously not his. Last week, digital distribution firm Limited Press alleged that, based on its own analytic software, 80% of the clicks on its advertisements within Facebook had come from fake users. So they upped their price by using fake users. That's the bottom line. The price of advertising. But then, uh, you know, that's how you get ahead in the world. You've got to be a real con, a real con man. If you've got a whole bunch working together and you're good con men, you can get war started all over the place. And, and then you get marketers who are perfect con men to convince the public that you're doing the right thing as you go and slaughter people. French woman who killed eight of her own, her own babies is freed. See, and the excuse is, if you're a beast, you see, and you've been abused in life, then you can kill your children. Because, see, life is getting cheap as we become degraded. Society is becoming degraded down to the bottom as per the agenda calls for, you see. And it says that uh, Dominique Cotres, a French woman who confessed in 2010 to killing eight of her own newborn babies, not at the same time, of course, has been freed under supervision. She was released untagged by an appeals court in the northern town of Douai on condition she continued to receive psychological and psychiatric care. Mrs. Cotres has been in custody since July 2010 when remains were found in the garden of her parents' home. It wasn't clear on what grounds she'd been released while she admitted killing her eight newborn babies between 89 and 2006 in the village of Villers-Tautre near Lille. She said that uh, her husband had nothing, known nothing about them. She said that uh, she'd been a victim of incest and feared that her own father, who died in 2007, had fathered the babies. And it says, Mrs. Cottrell, who was in her late 40s, reportedly managed to conceal the pregnancies because of her obesity. So if you're obese, as I say, and, and you say that you've been abused, you can, it's okay to kill your children now because life is getting awfully cheap. You know, Except if you buy the fetuses because the medical industry is making a fortune off different things of them. Anyway, everything's a business, isn't it? And, and I, we are the sheep. We are the business for the good shepherds. And... Getting back to Afghanistan, this other article is on about it. it says Pentagon officials have announced the vast deposits of minerals have been found under the swirling sands of Afghanistan, including huge amounts of lithium. That's very important today, lithium. A vital material in the manufacturing of rechargeable batteries and lots of other things too. The discovery could completely overturn the country's economy, injecting considerable wealth into the region. They say they could, and that's true, it could, but it won't. It's going to all go, go into the US and to the big banking boys and so on. So I'll put this link up tonight as well. And it's amazing how a country can always claim that it's bankrupt. 
uh, as Britain, for instance, keeps uh, hosting things like the, the, the Olympic Games, it's costing billions eventually, lots of billions and billions in a hole. That's okay, just tack it on to the, to the taxpayer again, to the tab, you know, that they already owe. And, but for a country that's, that's, that's got hardly any jobs left, except for politicians and people who work for government agencies uh, and police and all the rest of it, uh, here they go. Ministry of Defence plans a new wave of unmanned marine drones now. They've all got to have the latest, eh? So the Royal Navy has been using unmanned mini-subs such as the Sea Fox above to clear mines. And it's seeking to develop a new generation of unmanned maritime drones that would be used for anti-submarine warfare and possible missile attacks on enemy ships, the Guardian has learned. A fleet of Royal Navy unmanned underwater vehicles is already being used in the Gulf to help prevent Iran laying mines in important sea lanes, and ministers are now considering whether similar devices could be used to tackle pirates off the coast of Somalia. Documents show that the Ministry of Defence is hoping to hugely improve drone capabilities, having seen how effective they've been for NATO against the Taliban. That's when they go in to get a guy and they blow up the village. You know. Whitehall sources confirm the British military wants to integrate drones across the three armed services as a cheaper way of waging war, providing round-the-clock surveillance and gathering intelligence. Well, what they want to have them flying all over Britain, just like the US has got them flying all over there. And it says, the possibilities of these new drone technologies is endless. Well, that's true. It is endless, isn't it? If you live in a, in a, a system that has no integrity at all towards the public, it as, as pretends it's serving, as it plunders them, then uh, well, the sky's the limit to the ideas, men, for purposes for them. Eh? They'll all have them eventually. I mean, they will. Maybe even the post office will have them eventually. And the, the, any fines outstanding, they'll just send one outside your window until you pay up or it'll bomb you, you know. Yeah. Anyway, it says, um, this article here is about, uh, the Israel and the U.S. are faking intelligence in order to attack Iran, says an ex-CIA analyst. It says, uh, as we saw 10 years ago with respect to Iraq, if one intends to whip up support for war, one needs to find a, 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 a cause, a pretext as it might be. How about juxtapositing uh, weapons of mass destruction with terrorism? That always works. Eh? It says that worked to prepare for war in Iraq and similar rhetorical groundwork for an attack on Iran is now being laid in Israel. A former CIA analyst says the United States and Israel seek to come up with a pretext for attacking Iran by fabricating intelligence a ploy similar to the one adopted by the U.S. for justifying the war in Iraq a decade ago. As we saw 10 years ago with respect to Iraq, if one intends to whip up the support for the war, you ought to find the cause, you know, as I say. So, as I say, it's referring to the recent attack on a number of Israeli tourists in Bulgaria. McGovern, who used to work for the CIA, says, Netanyahu broke all records of speed in blaming Iran and Hezbollah for the bombing. On Fox News Sunday on July 22nd, Mr. Netanyahu claimed Israel has rock-solid evidence tying Iran to the attack in Bulgaria. The same day on CBS's Face the Nation, Mr. Netanyahu says, We've unquestionably fully substantiated intelligence that this terrorist attack was done by Hezbollah, backed by Iran, adding that Israel gives specific details to responsible governments and agencies, McGovern went on to say. The former CIA analyst added that Israel, however, has so far failed to provide any evidence for its claims of Iran's involvement. Bulgarian Prime Minister Bokio Borisov has admitted that he was aware of no information concerning the terrorist or those who dispatched him, he underlined. McGovern then referred to the historical moment when British intelligence chief Sir Richard Dearlove admitted that intelligence on Iraq had been fixed. Well, everything is fixed because it's an agenda we're going through. 
and they've got to make up the causes for it. Military action was now seen as inevitable. Bush wanted to remove uh, uh, Saddam Hussein, it says, through military action justified by the conjunction of terrorism and weapons of mass destruction. Remember, that was parted all the time. You were sick of hearing it. But intelligence and facts were being fixed around the policy, Dear Love said on July 23rd, 2005. They made a policy. They all came out together after meetings and meet the press individually, and they all prattled on about weapons of mass destruction. You know. All of them said to say it. They're all on board, as they say. The likelihood of hostilities with Iran before the U.S. presidential election in November is increasing, but we are of fixed intelligence, McGovern concluded. Well, that's all you get is fixed intelligence, isn't it? I mean, most of the stuff now in the papers now are handouts from intelligence agencies through their own marketing agencies straight to the newspapers. So you get nothing about propaganda. That's all you get now, you see. Most of, as I say, most of the public don't care because they're not getting blown up. And they don't get a tab every week from the government saying, we've just uh, uh, spent another so many billions on more drones to kill folk and, and, and etc. So here's your share that you have to pay up. If you go to every week, you, be, you, be, you may be a bitch about it then. But until that happens, it's kind of abstract and, you know, out there somewhere in the in, in zero land. And this article too is to do with... Uh, it's from Press TV. It's the Syrian government and the nation's support for Palestine and the anti-Israeli resistance movement is exemplary in the region. And that is why Syria has been targeted by the U.S., the Zionists and terrorists, it says. Secretary of Iran's Supreme National Security Council, Saeed Jajalili, it says. So the Secretary of Iran's Supreme National Security Council says Washington and Tel Aviv have targeted Damascus because of its exemplary support for the Palestinian cause. The Syrian government and nation's support for Palestine and the anti-Israeli resistance movement is exemplary in the, in the region, and that's why Syria has been targeted by them. So he says, a meeting in, with Syrian Deputy Prime Minister Omar Galawanji in Tehran on Thursday. While many Arab states have remained silent over Israel's 22-day war on the Gaza Strip in 2009, Syria strongly supported the Palestinian nation, Jalili said. If the regional dictators who are complicit with the U.S. were exposed to the pressures that Syrian, Syria has been subjected to, they would have collapsed within a week, Jalili added. Jalili further described the ties between Tehran and Damascus as strategic and said Iran is ready to further boost its support for the Syrian nation against foreign pressure. The people in the region cannot believe the U.S. and those states which have not even held uh, one election in their history to be the advocates of rights and democracy for their regional nations today. So everything's heating up, of course, because they know that the U.S. and Israel are, are well, they wrote up it. the agenda, as I say, in the 90s for every country that was to get taken out, and, and Syria was on it under the project for the American century. So we're just going through a script, that's all. Russia has to revive army bases in three oceans, it says. Everybody's getting on the act now, isn't it? Because they're looking at oil, because now there's gluts of oil all over the world. They're finding it all over the place. And everybody's trying to get their, their big grab at it. The Russian government intends to restore the military technical support of their ships at the former military base in Camran in Vietnam, in Lourdes, Cuba, and the Seychelles. Seychelles is a nice area, actually, those little islands. So far, this is not about plans for a military presence, but rather the restorations of the crew resources. However, a solid contractual basis should be developed for these plans. 
Intentions were announced on July 27th by Russian Navy Commander Vice Admiral Viktor Shirkov. At the international level, the creation of logistics points in Cuba, the Seychelles and Vietnam is being worked out, Shirkov was quoted by the media. The issue was specifically discussed at the meeting with the leaders of all countries. President of Vietnam, Truong Tan Sang, has recently held talks with Prime Minister Dmitry Medvedev in Moscow and President Putin in Sochi. Cuban leader Raul Castro met with uh, Putin in Moscow earlier this month. A little earlier, the President of the Republic of Seychelles, James Michel, had made an unequivocal statement, he says. He says, we'll give Russia the benefits in Kamran, including the development of military cooperation. So they're all getting together again, eh? The President of Vietnam told the media, Cuba that has an, Cuba that has an American military base in Guantanamo Bay and is protesting against the deployment of new U.S. bases in Colombia, of course, wants to acquire an ally in Russia to be able to contain the United States, Seychelles in, in the Indian Ocean, has always been in the zone of Soviet influence. In 1981, the Soviet Navy helped the government to prevent the military coup, and before the collapse of the USSR, the Soviets had a constant presence in the area. So they're obviously all getting their little groups together again, uh, because who knows? I mean, I can imagine too, because the U.S. now seems to be, and Britain, uh, seems to be wanting to fulfill their whole Rollins of International Affairs agenda very, very quickly, with the three trading blocks across the planet all standardized under a world government with themselves in control at the top, of course. That's why it's all happening right now. And this wee article here, small article, it says, I mean, in China, you know what it's like in China, the people are awfully, awfully obedient. They are the model, model state for the world to follow, remember. They're all, they're all a big government because they're all terrified of government. That's why. So they don't have uh, firearms and they don't go hunting except for the bigwigs. In fact, the bigwigs come over to Canada and hunt, by the way, from China. And they can even hunt bear and things, uh, and they can get guaranteed a bear kill up north. Anyway, they're having the same problems with people cracking up and going nuts. And they're, they're, they've got teenagers who are now killing people with knife attacks, you see. So it doesn't matter what you give them or don't I give them. The fact is you can always kill people with anything that's handy, even a club, if it comes to that. A teenager has killed eight people, eight of them, and wounded five others in a knife attack in China's uh, Laoning province, state media says. So those killed include two relatives of the suspect's girlfriend, six other people, the report said, and the injured were receiving treatment. So there's a lot of this goes on, actually, in China now as folk go nuts. They crack up living in this controlled, tight society, especially when there's no upward mobility. It's very fixed and rigid, very class-type society in China, even though they pretend they're communists. But then good crooks always do that, eh? Just like the ones who ran the Soviet Union. (laughs) They're just a big gang. Anyway... Uh, this article here is to do with the origins of the Olympic torch. You know, people actually think, today's people actually think it went all the way back to Greece, but it didn't, of course. It says, Olympic flame lit last week in Greece arrives in Great Britain tomorrow before embarking, blah, 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 blah. But it says, um, it was first concocted by a regime not known for the Olympic ideals of international peace and goodwill. In fact, it was Nazi Germany. It says Olympic flame, um, it says at a solemn ceremony in Olympia, Greece on July 20th, 1936, the searing rays of the midday sun concentrated by a parabolic mirror kindled Olympic flame. And that was for, of course, held by the, the Nazi, Nazi country of Germany. That's what started it. Because they wanted the United Europe too. Back with more after this break.
Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and jumping from Nazi Germany, creating the first Olympic Games to bring us all together, you know, with the five points of masonry, those five rings and all that. And get to this article here that follows right in what I was talking about with the, the Royal Institute of International Affairs that backed Germany, in fact. In fact, their big members who were international bankers funded Germany through the IG Farben Corporation into existence. But anyway, also they wanted to have a, a unified Europe, a united Europe. Of course, they didn't care who, who created it because they'd run it eventually through the cash system anyway. So they wanted a united Europe, just like Karl Marx mentioned back in the 1800s. Strange that he said a united Europe too, and also a united Americas. And then the third big bloc would be the, the Far East bring, of course, with China. That was a third world state at that time. Anyway, this article comes in from Reuters. Fits right in with the agenda, you see, because the Royal Institute of International Affairs have departments working for the, for the last oh, 70, 80 years to bring in step by step, very slowly, uh, an economic bloc with Australia, New Zealand, China and a few other countries, bring them all together and even bring up China to what it is today. Remember, they started this a long time before China. China has only been really exporting stuff for the last 25, 30 years because we gave them all the factories through the World Trade Organization. It says, discord in Southeast Asia over how to deal with Beijing's claims in the South China Sea comes as the region struggles to overcome competing national interests and form, for the harder thinking, listen to this carefully, and form a European Union-style economic community by 2015. For those who have been questioning all that stuff I've been saying for years, right? A European Union-style economic community by 2015. That's the goal, you see. Political leaders and officials say the row may not directly affect plans by the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, the ASEANs that were set up again by the Royal Institute of International Affairs, for the economic integration of countries ranging from wealthy Singapore to impoverished Myanmar. This is, but what doesn't help is China's growing investment in the bloc's poor members, which critics say gives it influence that's effectively used to block a unified ASEAN stance in the South China Sea dispute. The South China Sea, which stretches from China to Indonesia and from Vietnam to the Philippines, lies atop what are believed to be rich reserves of oil and gas. It's not going to hold progress on integration hostage, Asian Secretary General Surin Putsuan told diplomats in Jakarta, referring to a recent meeting in Cambodia where rifts over the South China Sea prevented the group's foreign ministers from issuing a communique for the first time in its history. It's an early warning sign. This will not be the last. Southeast Asia is a hot destination for investors seeking returns that are drying up in Europe. That means big, big profits from slave labor. Still to recover in the United States and slowing in the rest of Asia. Estimated net flows into the offshore Asian fund stood at $1.4 billion 2012 through June, according to data reported until July, 6, uh, July 10th. By comparison, China and India offshore funds set new outflows worth $1.6 billion and $185 million, respectively. Investors have high hopes for plans by the 10-member ASEAN for a single market and a production base for a combined economy of $2 trillion with free movements of goods, services, investments, and skilled labor. That's right under free trade negotiations, right, amongst 600 million people. So the big boys that started off, as I say, with Milner, Royal Institute of International Affairs, and their sons who they went into it, and Curtis and all the rest of them, have got their wish. 
Of course, they'll have to get rid of the Muslim nations too, and that will happen as well. And then they'll totally integrate by 2015. America is doing the same, of course. The whole American continent is integrating as we speak. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night, so may your God or your gods go with you.